We're continuing our teaching series, Do Not Fear, and I want to read our theme verse for the series this morning that maybe some of you need to hear all over again. It comes from Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, when God used the prophet Isaiah to speak to the Israelites this verse. So do not fear, for I am with you, God says. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. If you're new, this is the third week of the teaching series. We'll be concluding it next Sunday. Don't miss it. It's going to be fun. But we talked the first week about fear being one of the great temptations in our lives as Christians that can keep us from pursuing God's best. And it's so easy to give in to fear. While the Bible actually teaches there is only one thing we should fear, and what was it? The Lord, God, that's it. That's what we should fear and nothing else. We have a reverence for God, and because of his authority and power, because of the crucifixion, resurrection of Jesus, we share, we are adopted sons and daughters of the living God, that you are a child of God. He's going to provide for you, care for you, watch over you. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm switching to this handheld. There we go. Thank you, tech guys in the back. Well done. Well done. Can you hear me better now? I actually sound much more attractive on this microphone, so that's why they switched me to this. My wife asks me, asks, 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 I don't, I feel like that's going to be on YouTube. asks me to speak on this at home. She didn't like the sound of my voice. Matthew chapter 6, though, we get to the story about the fear that I would like to talk about this morning. Last week, uh, Darren and Julie did a wonderful job teaching on the fear involved in parenting. I know that fear. And this week, I want to talk about what I believe, we could have named a number of things, but what I believe Americans fear the most. What do you think Americans fear the most today. We could talk about a lot of different things. I'm just going to talk about one of them. And I want to play this for a little while this time that... Anybody? Come on. You know it. Some of you, you got bills to pay. You don't know how you're going to do it. You got to pay them. You got to get the skills to pay the bills because if you don't have the bills that are getting paid, you're going to be out on the street. Right? And we can play a good theme song like that. Anybody like, let's hear that again. Can you do that again? I don't know. I don't know if we can do that again. Some of you are going to go home today and you're going to worry about it. And you're going to be like, why are they talking about money in church? It's giving me anxiety. I don't want to talk about it. I want to tell you that I have been there personally. Money is something that can be a huge hindrance in our lives. Can we thank the tech team for doing a wonderful job back there this service? You're amazing. I don't know how you do it. But I have heard from multiple people this week who are losing their home or their apartment because they no longer have money to pay the bills. See, what we're talking about this morning, the fear of money in our lives, is actually something that as Americans, we are told repeatedly we need more. We need more. We need more. We need more. Our advertising on television tells us we need more. The people that we see driving around in Hamilton County represent that we need more. 
And we always feel like we need to add to the material possessions that we have. We don't have enough money. Now, let me tell you this morning, um, I'm not bringing this up because I am desiring that you give something to the church. And I'm going to talk about that. Bringing this up because if we don't talk about, if we're talking about fear and we don't talk about the fear of money, we are not doing ourselves justice. I've been a pastor for a while, premarital counseling, marriage counseling. One of the biggest things that always comes up is arguing over, you guessed it, money. Jesus talks about it more than in the New Testament than he talks about faith. He talks about it a lot because he realizes the obstacle, the fear of money can create in so many of us. Matthew chapter six, beginning in verse 19, it says this, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Don't store up your treasures on earth. You never see the U-Haul behind the hearse. You heard that before? Right? You're not taking it with you. Jesus is preaching on the Sermon on the Mount, and he goes on in verse 20 and says, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I don't know about you, but I can often look at our bank statements and determine where our heart really is based off of where our treasures go. Verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Here's the thing. It's talking about the lust of the eyes, that you see something and you just gotta have it. Advertisers on television know how to use this. We often use the the lust of sexual enticement to get us to purchase things. And then we use the lust of the eyes, that feeling like you have to have something or you're not going to be okay. You can't be happy anymore. Let's be honest. Some of you, you see like that sale sign at the Nordstrom Rack and you just get giddy inside. Right? Some of you, like Black Friday is coming and you have been sweating for weeks just thinking about that day. You can't wait. I'm not telling you not to purchase things. I'm not telling you being wealthy is a bad thing at all, actually. And I'm not telling you that you can't go out and desire uh, material possessions. What I'm telling you this morning, this passage says, where your heart is, your treasure will be there. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. It goes on in verse 24, and I want you to underline or circle this verse. We're going to come back to it at the very end. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Leave that up for just a second. The word money there at the end of the verse, all of uh, the book of Matthew is written in Greek, Koine Greek. This word right there, money, in that verse is not written in Greek. It's written in, uh, it's using the Aramaic word for money, not the Greek word. And the word is mammon. Anybody ever heard of mammon before? This isn't a new uh, verse to us as a church. It's kind of a refresher. The word mammon, yes, it meant money. But Aramaic was the spoken language of the Israelites during this time period. And they chose when writing the New Testament, not to write the Greek word, but the Aramaic word, because they wanted you to know it was mammon. Mammon meant money, but it also meant comfort or wealth. And that's what money really provides for us, doesn't it? And it says you cannot serve both God and your personal comfort and wealth. You can't serve both God 
and money, it goes, speaks directly against the American dream. These are the words of Jesus. He goes on and says in verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. It is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, all that fear, all that anxiety, can you add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will not much more clothe? Will I not much more clothe you? You have little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. And then get this, underline or circle this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Will you pray with me? God, we just pause, and as we read these verses of scripture, we're reminded of your authority and your provision in this life. Yet it brings up some big stuff. Some big stuff for us. God, as we talk about finding freedom from the fear of money, from the fear of mammon in our lives, may you speak directly to our hearts through these verses of Scripture. God, some of us walked in here as a last-ditch effort. We know what we're getting into. God, I pray that we would go even beyond finances this morning. You would speak directly to our hearts. We acknowledge the presence of your Holy Spirit here in the room with us right now, at home, watching online. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would speak to us. We pray this in your name and all God's family says, amen. So you caught that, right? Like God takes care of the birds. So why are you worrying about whether you're going to lose your apartment or your house? Why are you worrying about whether or not you're going to have enough finances to send your kids to college? Why are you worrying about it? It's just that easy. Just stop worrying. Like, don't you read these verses by Jesus and you just go, Come on. Really? Like, I could lose my house, and you want me to just stop worrying about that? I'll just sit back and relax, and you'll take care of everything, Jesus. We'll sit around the fire, sing kumbaya, and you're going to show up one day and provide for me and my family. Uh Uh-uh, not going to happen to me. I'm going to take that bull by the horns. I'm going to go get three jobs. I'm going to make this happen. You been there? See, these choices that we make... They dictate a lot of the decisions in our lives. The fear that we read about here, I want to go, Jesus, you're really making this super simplistic. Just seek first your kingdom and your righteousness and you're going to provide. But it never seems that easy, does it? It's that simple, but it's actually hard. We got to pray with multiple people this morning over in the prayer room because this thing hits a, a vein with us, doesn't it? Like so many of us worry, worry, worry about this. And what I'd like to show you is there is more at stake. God is more concerned than just whether or not you have a place to sleep or whether or not you have clothing that is appealing to people. He cares about your soul. He cares about you spiritually. He cares about the short time that you have on this planet. 
And so what I would desire for us to do this morning is we could really talk about how to find complete financial freedom in our lives to no longer worry about money. So I'm going to give you three points in just a moment of how to be free of the fear of money. But I don't want to make take it lightly, okay? Because we could share something like this and we could really demean and diminish the real issues that you're facing. I can remember when I first got married, and my wife and I had been married about a year or so, and, um, and then we got pregnant and we had our first son. His name's Jake. And when Jake was born, my wife got a spinal headache for the doctors in the room, which meant for like a week she wasn't able to get out of bed. That meant that a new dad who was scared to death, fellas, scared to death of being a dad, was now called on to take care of my son for the first week. It freaked me out. I'd wake up like every 30 minutes. And then that first week when I'm caring for him, he actually got jaundice. I took him to the doctor's office when he had jaundice, and when we got to the doctor's office, he threw up everywhere all over the doctor's office. And here I am trying to care for this sick kid who's got jaundice. I take him back to our house, and you know what happens next? We're living in Southern California. It rains like once a year there. It's amazing. I don't know why we ever left. It's awesome. But it's not as good as Indiana. We love it here. I have to say that, right? But we, uh, oh, we love the people here. It's awesome. We'll never leave him. But it, while we were there, it, it, that night, it rained like torrential downpour, like all of a sudden we had moved somewhere to the tropics, and it rained so hard. This had never happened. We're living in this little 600-square-foot apartment. The rain actually gets under the floorboards and begins to come into the apartment, our entire living area is full of water, and it smells like mildew everywhere. And I got my son over here in the crib who's got jaundice. I got my wife back in the bedroom who cannot get out of bed because she's got a spinal headache. I am freaking out. You been there? Like, that's what life is really like sometimes. So I don't want to tell you how to be free of the fear of money and diminish that you're not facing real challenges. I get it. But keep in mind, Jesus is speaking this in Matthew chapter 6 to a group of people who were not the most likely the wealthy people in that society. These were mainly Jewish people who had been taken over by the Roman Empire, who had no land. They were not Roman citizens. They did not have great wealth, most likely. And they definitely didn't have running water and all the luxuries we share today in our culture. And he said those words to him. And so I want to share with you some biblical principles, whether you are extremely wealthy or extremely poor, these will apply to all of us. Because don't think for a moment that just because somebody gets more money that they don't just struggle still with the fear of money. Because some of you, then you got to worry about other people and they're asking you for things and it like rules and reigns your life at times. So We're going to move quick. Get that pen out if you want to take notes or type it in on your iPad. Here we go. How to be uh, free of the fear of money. Number one, be free by being content. By being content. Dr. Larry Osborne, a pastor in uh, San Diego, it's lovely there, writes this and defines financial freedom as a life free from financial worry about money. How many of you want a life like that? a life free from financial worry about money. Most of us, most of us see that and we go, so all I got to do is hit the lottery, baby. Start praying. I'm going to buy those tickets and I'm going to be free from financial worry. You've missed the point. Free from financial worry doesn't mean you have more or less money. You're free from the worry of it. 
You're free from the fear of it. It does not reign your life. You see, Paul is a great example. He didn't win the lottery. In fact, he had been imprisoned multiple times simply for living out his faith in Jesus Christ. He had left his home. He had left his stable career as a rabbi. He had left everything. And we read this as he writes to the church in Philippi, one of his last letters. Paul writes around 60 AD to Philippi in chapter 4. He writes this in verse 11. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. You want financial freedom, free from the fear of money, learn to be content. It's easier said than done, isn't it? See, Paul goes on and he says, I know that what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living or in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. We often take that verse out of context and think it's talking about helping our sports team win. Or I love one of my friends, he used to talk about how he'd go into high school to the lunchroom and he'd cut to the front of the line and they'd be like, hey, you're cutting. He'd be like, it's It's okay. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Don't worry about it. It's cool. Like we take the verse out of context. What it's talking about is Whatever you're facing, including the financial hardships, you can be content in any circumstances because the Lord Jesus Christ will strengthen you. And Paul is writing this while being imprisoned. In fact, there are times in the New Testament where Paul is writing letters to churches, living for the Lord, most likely writing from standing ankle deep in raw sewage because their prison system was not like ours. There was not toilets. There was not running water. It was a horrible place to live. And he says, I can be content in any circumstances. He knows about what it's like to be content regardless of his financial outlook. Whenever I think about this, I think about my uh, grandmother who I mentioned a few weeks ago. She had rheumatic arthritis at age 19 and lived her entire life in pain and very bad rheumatic arthritis. And I always remember just seeing her because of her faith, and she had a strong faith. Even her last, she would sometimes just lay in bed just singing hymns. And, and she always encouraged me that even though she was faced with such a painful life, she could be content with what God had given her and worship him in song, even to her last days. That's the type of contentment that does not... Does not Your circumstances don't dictate how you feel. Are you able to be content in any circumstance? Well, that's great for Paul, but you don't understand. Like, I have the iPhone 6, right? It only has 8 megapixels in its camera. How am I going to be able to take good photos of our family with a camera like that? This is what our culture does, and it sounds silly when I say it on stage, but you think it, you totally do. Some of you, you see people with like their iPhone 5, and you're like, oh, that's so cute. <laughs> so little. I remember those days. Those were fun days. We could be content no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in, that we are not dictated by what the advertisers on television tell us that we need in order to be happy. That we may not have perfect happiness, but we will find joy in Christ no matter what the circumstances we face. Amen. Like, that is not easy to do. It's difficult, but it is simple. We seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, as Jesus declared in verses 33 and 34 of Matthew 6. 
If you're taking notes, uh, the second point I want to make is that if you want financial freedom, be free by being smart. I, I didn't used to practice some of these things, and I just want to tell you, I, um, I'm not doing this message this morning because I'm like a financial consultant. Don't come and talk to me about that stuff. I don't have any clue. We have uh, people in our church that are great at that stuff who coach me on how to do that in my life. I'm talking about this because I want to share with you spiritual biblical principles that help all kinds of believers begin to find freedom in this area. See, the second one is to be free by being smart. Uh, And Larry Osborne has these four points about that. He says this, money is not an accurate measure of God's favor. Money is not an accurate measure of God's favor. So stop acting liking it. Right, I'm getting some Bible verses up there. Some of us, we think, when things are going well at the job and the money is coming in, that now God loves us and he, hear, and he can hear our prayers. And then like when the money's not coming in and the job's not going so well, God doesn't love us, he doesn't hear our prayers. Like God's favor is not an accurate measure, not accurately measured by how much money that you have. So stop pretending that it is number two. We're gonna move quick. Never let net worth determine self-worth. See this sometimes. Some of you, you came from families that had a a good financial standing and your career path uh, doesn't give you the same wealth. And so sometimes you feel like my net worth is going to dictate my self-worth and so I'm not worth that much. Some of you, you feel like because you have been stuck in a, a cycle of poverty for so long that you're just not as valuable as another human being. Jesus says quite the contrary. He loves you right where you are exactly as you are, and that your, net, your self-worth is not determined by your net worth. Number three, never assume money equals security. See, which each of these things, if you want to be free by being smart, you have to change the way that you think. You have to change the way we think about our culture and about our lives and what we really need. Never assume money equals security. At any moment in time, anybody can have something occur that causes them to lose their resources. Whether it's an illness in the family, whether it's a loss of a job, whether it's an economic downturn, we never know what's going to happen. Your security is not determined by your finances. Your security, according to the scriptures, is determined by who? By God. That as we said the first week, you find your security, your identity in being a son or a daughter of the living God. Wherever you're at right now, that's where your identity. And so whether you have a lot or a little, you're okay because your security is not dictated by your pocketbook. The fourth thing about being smart, and again, some verses listed there, never confuse stinginess with stewardship. Never confuse stinginess with stewardship. Okay, this is the part in the message where it gets hard for me. I'm totally right there in that bracket, man. Anybody out there, you are cheap. You're just a cheap person. Come on, somebody raise the hand of the cheap person in your family. We know it's true. They're in every family. Uh, Luckily, my wife and I are both cheap, so we argue about who's cheaper. I've learned when it comes to the church, you can ask the staff, like, I'm always like, no, no, we can't afford it. Like, I'm just naturally cheap. Do not confuse stinginess for good stewardship, but there are times where actually utilizing your time, talents, and treasures, your resources for greater purposes makes sense. And that just hoarding and being stingy is not necessarily what God desires. Yes, he desires good stewardship, absolutely. But do you know what good stewardship is? 
I always bring this up when I talk about this. I'm a, you know, cause I talk about sports a lot. So for the nerds in the room, I uh, know you read all three Lords of the Lord of the Ring books like five different times. And you've got like the figurines and everything. You remember in the movies, how the steward of Gondor oversees the Gondor, the country until what? Until the King returns in the third movie. I watched it. That is exactly what a steward in the New Testament is, that we are just protecting the resources of the king until he returns. So good stewardship is not necessarily stinginess. Good stewardship is doing what's in the best interest of the king. We're talking about Jesus. We all clear on that? Okay, I just I don't know who the king in your life. We're not talking about LeBron. We're talking about Jesus. But until he returns... That is something for each of us um, that it's going to change our lives. I'm going to try and do this with a handheld microphone. Actually, you know what? I never get to do this. Would you welcome my wife as she comes up to the stage? Come on up here, honey. This will be fun for you. You knew you were going to get on stage this morning, didn't you? That's why you didn't wear shoes. Okay, okay. It's cool. It's cool. We're cool like that. Um, here's what I need you to do, honey. I need you to hold this microphone for just a second. Thank you. Well done. I've got, do we have any uh, dog lovers out there? You have a dog of some sort? Yes, yes. Okay, Uh, then you will get this. The rest of you will come up with a different illustration. So for some of you, you dog lovers, you know what it's like to have to put your dog on a leash, right? So that you can control where that dog goes and where it does not go. And for some of us as Christians, we often feel like that God wants to lord over our lives, that he desires to actually be somebody with all these rules and regulations. And when we talk about money in the church, we get upset. I've been there. When I first became a Christian, it was years, years before I would even talk about money and my faith at all. And I never honored God with my finances. I didn't. And I would go to churches and they would talk about money and I'd get upset you been there? I get upset because I'm like, you just after my money. And I missed out on some great spiritual depth that God over the last several years, 10 years or so, has really grown in my life. That actually, according to scripture, God desires, read the book of Galatians, God desires for you to be free. He is a great master who allows you complete freedom to make the choices and decisions in your life. Actually, in the New Testament, the thing that wants to keep you from being free is who? The enemy. Throughout the New Testament and the Old Testament, the adversary, the Hasatan, Satan, desires to keep you from pursuing God's best. And so if you look, let's put verse 24 back up on the screen for just a moment of Matthew chapter 6. It says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And so money in this instance comes in, and you're like, I want to serve the Lord. I want to follow him wherever I go. But you know what? If I do that, like I may not have the finances to retire someday. I may not have the finances to send my kids to the college I want to send them to. And so we constantly have this leash, this master of our money in our lives. And some of us, we got longer leashes, right? Like we got a lot fancier. We got more wealth, more mammon that supplies us to be able to make more decisions and do more fun stuff. But the reality is it's still a leash. The more we try and serve God, the more we get stuck at a certain point in time because it might require us to let go of some things and we just don't want to do it. Some of you got some real fancy, some real fancy leashes. I brought more than one. Look at this thing right here. Look at that. Come on. 
Like you got a lot of mammon. You don't have to worry as much. You got a lot more freedom. You can do what you want. You can go on vacation. You can go fly down to Florida. You can go out to the Bahamas. You can do all kinds of fun. So, but it's still a leash. At some point in time, it dictates whether or not, because you're trying to keep track of all these things and how you're going to provide for your family and still go on these vacations and do all these things, that it actually becomes a deterrent to you serving God in your life. You see, God isn't after your money. He doesn't need it. He doesn't need it. He's after you having freedom from money, being a master in your life that dictates where you go and how you do it. We thank my wife for doing a lovely job. A lovely job. I may just preach all of my messages from now on like that. That would, that would never happen. I guarantee you that. See, some of us this morning, we got to take the leash off. If I could just confess to you, this is something I'm pretty passionate about because what I found over the last decade of my life as somebody who is extremely critical of churches on this issue I've seen what God does over the course of time as you begin to live out some of the things that we're discussing. If I could just confess this to you, I don't use this as a pat on my back. I'm embarrassed to say I have not always lived like this. But many, many, many of you sacrificed in humongous ways so that we could all be worshiping the Lord here together. Many of you did. And it was during that time where my wife and I, we, we were like, hey, we really want to try and uh, live by faith. And so we said, we're going to commit. And we gave away more money in that period of time, not as much as some of you did, but we gave away more money than we thought humanly possible. I mean, really. And on the other end of it, I found a couple of things. I found that you can move across the country, you can get here, you can try and start a church, and then as many of you know, you can have the birth of a child who you lose and passes away after two weeks, and you can wonder, why, God, are you doing all these things? And then he provides for you and provides for you and provides for you, and you get to the point where you even trust him more and more with your financial portfolio, and you get on the other end, and a couple of things happen. You know what I found? We're still paying the bills. Never missed a bill. In fact... I mean, it's not like uh, we pay the staff a lot. We still don't even give the staff uh, insurance or any benefits, but we're, we're, you know, we're growing. But we have found that we're actually in a better place financially than we were several years ago. And yet during that time, we were able to lead with an open hand. And look, it's not a pat on my back because I don't naturally lead like that. And some of you, you don't naturally live like that. I get it. But God desires for you to be free because as you live for him, you see him show up more and more. And you know what it does? It doesn't just provide for things. It solidifies your faith in Christ. That some of those doubts and concerns that creep up, you can go back and go, no, wait a second. I went through that and he provided the entire time. Don't tell me that he doesn't care. That's how God works. And it's incredible. And so the third and final point that I just want to make from scripture is that we can be free by being proactive. Be free by being proactive. I know it's humbling, but here's how we do that. Here's just a few quick points. Number one, get the facts. I'm not a financial um, consultant, but the scriptures teach, get the facts. Know what it is that you, where your funds are going. Don't invest in things that you're not aware of, the Bible teaches. Eat what you kill. <laughs> in other words, stop pretending. Stop living as if you have a certain income when you really don't and just live off of what God has provided you with. Number three, save some for tomorrow. 
Uh, we often talk about the 10, 10, 80 rule. The first 10% goes to the Lord. The next 10% goes into savings. And then you live off the 80%. I will tell you, that's been a struggle and hard for our family. But the more you try and live that out, the more you see God show up, particularly saving some for tomorrow. The fourth and final one that you also share some today. And, um, just so we're all clear, I'm not talking about today here in this building. We already took an offering. You don't got to worry about that. I'm talking about that you begin to trust God in this area of your life. That you can no longer have that leash that finances dictates all your decisions. You only fear the Lord. You do not fear money. And as you serve him, you trust that he will provide. And for those that have been gifted with great resources, you get to look back and go, oh, these resources aren't just about me. This is about you. Use me, my time, my talents, my treasures. I desire to be yours. If you're like me and you're super cynical about these sorts of things, don't give the money to the church. The leadership doesn't want me to say that, but don't give the, give it somewhere else so you can know we're not after anything. God's not after anything. He desires for you to trust and honor him and live off of him as him as your provider because you know Why? Because the the master of money, of mammon, is not a good master. It makes people miserable. It makes people angry. It ruins marriages. It ruins friendships. It ruins family members. And people don't talk to each other for decades because of it. That's what kind of ruler money is in our lives. But our good heavenly father, the great master that we are called to serve first, seek him in his kingdom first and his righteousness first. He is the greatest master the world has ever seen. He loves you more than you love yourself. He cares about the people in our church who are hurting and they are broken and they are lost. And he cares about the people who seem on the exterior to have it all together and yet you feel like they have nothing. He sees you just as you are and he loves you and he pursues you still and he desires to take that leash off for you that you no longer will be dictated in this life where you go and what you do by your finances and by money because you don't fear it. The only thing you fear is the Lord himself, Jesus Christ, and your desire is to serve him first and foremost. And I want to give you the opportunity this morning to follow him in all areas, including surrendering the fear of finances to him. Will you pray with me? Oh, man, Jesus, I just think about that you are not... The idea of fear is not foreign to you. The night you were betrayed, you said, take this cup from me, Lord, but let thy will be done. And you went to the cross. You took on the burden and the shame. You were nailed to it, and you suffocated on it. You had to know the temptation of fear. And you never once allowed it to dictate your decisions and your choices. And many of us in the room right now, we make all of our decisions based off of the fear of not having enough money. And so for some of us, we just want to confess that to you. Let's just confess it together. God, we confess that money often dictates our choices in life and we live in fear in it. We are a servant to it. And so this morning, if that is you and you want to pray this silently as I pray it out loud, that you would like to surrender not just your life, but to surrender every aspect, your time, your talents, your treasures, that your resources, you say, I'm a steward of the king. One day he will return and I want to have stewarded it well. If that's you, pray this with me. God, this morning I give you everything. Not just my salvation. I give you all of my resources, my time, my abilities and talents, my spiritual gifts, 
and I surrender even my finances, my treasures to you. You are my first love. I want to seek your kingdom and your righteousness first. And may you provide for me and may I learn how great you are as you go before me in every way, shape, or form that I'm no longer a servant to mammon, but to you. And then pray this with me. God, I give you my life fully and I surrender it all to you. We pray this in Jesus' holy name and all God's family said, amen.